Hey, Salaam You are listening to Converts in Conversation for our next episode, which is straight to podcast. Today we have me, Zara, and Jody, Alice, and Almar. So, Salaam, everyone. Salaam, Salaam, people. So, this week we didn't really know straight off the bat exactly what our topic was going to be. But if those of you listening follow us on Instagram, you'll know that we put a request out a while ago asking for what you wanted us to talk about. And one of the things that came up was sadness and prayer. And it's quite interesting that the two were put together. Um, So, today we're going to try and sort of deconstruct that topic um and talk about hopefully both aspects so who would like to kick us off anybody (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll go first everybody is feeling dozy today well i am anyway so let's see if i can actually make some sense so sadness and prayer i mean when i first zahra when you first kind of put that on our co-host group to show that that was something that you know people somebody had requested um I kind of started thinking about it and I thought, okay, does this person mean um, being sad so they pray or actually the flip side, trying to pray, did that make them feel sad? Because I guess you could look at it from both aspects. Um, Initially, I thought and like gut reaction was just, you know, the times that I've been sad and have felt that the only thing that happened that would, the only thing that helped, sorry, would actually be my prayer. But, you know, I think prayer is, is a word that can mean different things to different people. Um, and I know that if you are new to Islam, prayer is a big word because it means that you have to start learning something in a language that's not your own to be able to pray five times a day, five times a day. I mean, you know, at most people are eating like three times a day. That's like kind of the most regular thing in their day to then up it to five times a day. Prayer can feel like too much to do right at the beginning so sometimes prayer has this negative connotation where oh it's a burden oh I need to get it done oh it's something difficult I can't do it but then I thought I kind of tried to let my thoughts develop on that and I thought well no because then when I've been really sad to be fair it's not been oh I've done a formal prayer it's more that I've kind of just like talked to Allah, talked to God in my head, like made my own dua, made my own personal call out to him really to say, help, I need some help here. And that, yeah, then, then that kind of settled in my brain. I thought I can see how the prayer and the sadness thing can twin itself together because when I am feeling sad, when I felt really like so sad that I can't even speak to people, Allah God was the one that I felt I could speak to. I felt that he could understand what was going through my heart, even when I couldn't understand it. So then it became a refuge. But to be fair, it wasn't always that formal prayer that, you know, that we think of that Muslims pray that five times a day prayer. Sometimes it does happen in the prayer, um, you know, but that's when I'm in the prostration of the prayer. And I do feel that closeness to Allah at that point. Zahra, do you want to say something about that? Yeah, I was just thinking then when you were talking about it depends on the kind of prayer that it's not necessarily the, the sort of salah where I get lifted if I'm feeling a little bit down and my prayer can sometimes be, you know, going outside and looking at 
um, creation, looking at the beauty of, even if it's the clouds, I mean, not to sound all wet about it, but you go out and, you know, you look at the sunrise or the sunset, um, nature, and then prayer as in not to ask for something. I think when people think sadness and prayer or something and prayer, it's prayer as in asking for something. Whereas sometimes just saying thank you and being appreciative and just recognizing the beauty of creation and nature, that in itself can lift you from a slightly dark place or an idle place. I think everybody's probably in fatigue at the minute with lockdown. I know that's a topic that we've touched on lots recently, but an isolation and seclusion definitely has a place, especially when it comes to you know, taking time to connect with Allah, uh, reading Quran and diverting from distractions, things that I think I read today when I was preparing for this, um, that it's a good opportunity to keep away from all the distractions. But going out, there's a lot to be said for that too, because I think even with the best of intentions, you, know, you wake up in the morning, you think, right, I'm going to read Quran, I'm going to pray all my five prayers, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But sat in the house, I think certainly my default is idleness. <laughs> and, you know, it's so much easier to just sit there. And before you know it, hours have gone by and I feel worse inevitably. And even though I know that's coming, even though I know if I sit there and I don't do very much, I'm going to feel worse and then I'll, it'll affect my sleep and everything. It's still easier to do. Jodie, what do you think? It just, it, it got me thinking this because I think I'm talking about me and myself personally, but when I'm sad, I'm almost like reluctant to be sad. So I'll resist it. And so, for example, if prayer time's coming up and I'm sad, I'm like, well, no, I'm, I'm sad. So I'm just going to sit here and wallow in my sadness and resist actually connecting with the most merciful, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that, that level of mercy, which you literally have no words for because it is so enormously amazing. And I'm almost like, no, I'm going to resist this and I'm going to wallow and I'm going to feel really sad and then feel worse. And it's almost like sometimes we've got to go, you know what, this is going to be painful. I might be sobbing into my prayer mat, but it's for my own good. I've got to get up and start doing something, even though in the short term, more pain, but longer term, you know, feeling a lot better, if that makes sense. Yeah. I completely get, yeah, I completely get you on that one because uh, there's been times where, you know, like you'll have periods in your life and, you know, perhaps our listeners are going through this where because of the way things are at the moment socially and we can't really connect socially. And there's there's a lot to be said of just being able to hug your friends. You know, when you can't do that, it does make you feel kind of disconnected, cut off and lonely and, and sad. So you know, and sometimes that can compound itself over a few days. And when that happens to me, I get kind of inactive. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way that happens with me is I start putting off reading Quran. Um, and I say to myself, oh, but I need to read this amount and I can't do it today because I'm tired. So I'll just leave it till tomorrow. And then what happens is I notice and it's happened to me a few times, I noticed like a change in my mood and I just become like just bored with everything, bored with even my family and I just don't want to do anything. And 
I keep a diary. Not very, I'm not a very successful journaler. I've tried it so many times because I know that there is so much benefit in it. But anyway, this year, funnily enough, this was the year that I decided I was going to keep a diary. I bought myself a really beautiful diary that I thought I would just love to write in. And I've made myself write in it every day, even if it's something as trivial as I hung the washing out or something. But I've wrote in it. And, and then after a few days, I write and I say, I think I know why I'm feeling like this. It's because I've disconnected myself from the Quran. And it's that innate, innate feeling that we need from that connection that our soul needs, that our heart needs, that we deny ourselves. Sometimes we're just our worst, own worst enemies mm. um, and we deny that to ourselves and we, and we kind of, you know, keep away from the, from the cure, really. And it's the cure to our sadness in so many ways, in the ways that you've described, Jodi, in the ways that you've described, Zahra, about, I mean, I definitely, I completely agree with you about the beauty of nature, the miraculous beauty of nature, being a cure, an answer to your prayer. Um, you know, there's a, there's a scholar, a very well-known scholar who said that um, an hour's contemplation of Allah's creation, so in other words, the beauty of nature, is better than a thousand prayers because it really connects you to your creator, the creator of everything. And it kind of makes you feel balanced again. I don't know if anybody else wants to chime in with that. Definitely. This morning, randomly, I'm just going to cut in with the just contemplating. This morning, I was scrolling through Instagram, as you do while you're waking up. Um, and there was a video that was meant to be a meme. I think there was a joke in there somewhere, but I missed the joke because it was actually a video of a chameleon. And the chameleon was just walking up. There was like multicolored pencils on top of each other. And it was the chameleon walking up like a blue pencil, then a red pencil. And it literally, subhanAllah, changed color as it was walking up. And I've got no idea what the joke was or if it even was a joke or if they were just pointing out. But I just watched it over and over and because all I could think about was Allah and all I could think about was how amazing creation is and not that I woke up in a bit of a slump but it's Sunday morning so I didn't wake up and let's skip out but just that just lifted because I just thought subhanAllah that's just so incredible sorry Alice I think I jumped in you were about to say something <laughs> I wasn't but I will now okay so okay. I just <laughs> you guys I just kind of yeah a lot of you you've all said really kind of what I was thinking as well but I think one thing definitely that I was just thinking then was especially with like kind of with me in particular like alhamdulillah I don't get feelings of sadness as much anymore as I used to when I was younger but my main thing not to detract from the sadness topic is like worry and anxiety which obviously can all be part of the same sort of family of like I'm such a worrier and I always have been and um, I can let it consume me, really eat me up, like worry about things I can't even change or things about yeah. work, like I worry about work when I'm not in work, I can't do anything till I'm back in and I'm still worrying about it. Um, but then when I think about like my faith and so like um, Almas was saying, it's not even like the actual, the going, you know, performing Salah, like just being aware of my faith and just like grounding myself in it just takes away the worries because sometimes I think I get stuck in such a headspace of maybe what I had prior because you know for 26 years I wasn't Muslim and I was raised within the Christian faith but I wasn't the, a, a particularly practicing Christian so I just had a very kind of secular life really and I think sometimes that becomes the default still and sometimes like when I, I get really consumed in like kind of dunya worries 
work mostly it's always work Any, anything else it seems to be fine I can just go with the flow but work really stresses me out um but then when I kind of like sit back and really kind of ground myself in like my faith my plan the, the plan that's there for me and you know everything I worry about it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things um it really just really helps me but I have to actively make that make that journey because it still doesn't come it still doesn't come as like a a natural kind of click whereas for like my husband who was born Muslim he can automatically get into that headspace and with me it still takes a little bit of a remember Alice don't worry you know it's all part of and and so that really does help me um especially when I'm like consumed with worry and stress which isn't as much yeah I think that's interesting because I think that's something we've touched on before when we were doing the live shows was that it's not our default and I think between all of us, we vary in how many years we've been Muslim um, and including Khadija, who's not here and, and Georgina. And no matter how long you've been a Muslim for, if you're a convert, I'm not sure at what point that does become your default, because between us, we've got at least 10, 15 years, 20 somewhere. But it still doesn't seem to be anybody's default and you do have to sort of learn those conversations with yourself. Yeah, no, I was completely agreeing with what you were saying, Zahra, because sadly still 20 plus years into being Muslim, still my default seems to be music. I can't, you know, it's like, it's like an addiction that, and that's why I think with my kids now, I mean, I've got four kids, mashallah, and they're in various ages, but I'm really aware of the way I was brought up and how the kind of thought patterns that have are so deeply embedded um, because of the way I was brought up and the way I want, I'm trying to bring up my children so that their thought patterns will always, I want their first port of call to always be Allah rather than in my case, where at some point on this downward spiral, I go, oh, hang on, there's a rope hanging down and that happens to be the rope of Allah that I need to hold on to. Why didn't I realise that at the beginning? So, yeah, it's it's definitely an ongoing struggle. I think, I mean, just from my own experience, it doesn't matter how many years you've, you know, you've been Muslim. It is one of those ongoing struggles. And I think harder at the moment, because for me personally, one of the ways that I always felt my faith rejuvenated, I felt lifted in my soul was by meeting up with other like-minded Muslims, like-minded converts and having those kind of conversations, which I found touched my soul. And they didn't have to be really deep and meaningful, but just Mm -hmm. the fact that we were all on this path together and we all had our own struggles that were different, but yet so similar. And it just makes you feel in a family unit really which is essentially what it is to be muslim i mean even the word for the collective muslim is ummah which comes from the word um which means mother so it's like a whole kind of kind of tribe of children kind of thing and you do feel that kind of brotherhood and sisterhood or whatever when you know when you are with people who you find are like-minded and so you know we have to do these kind of zoom meetups which are great but still not as good. Zahra, what did you want to say, darling? Yeah, I was just thinking that when you were talking about sort of family and then meeting up, it made me think to the people who are maybe newly Muslim, who are currently experiencing lockdown and isolation with their non-Muslim family. 
maybe who don't even know that they've converted or that they're thinking about converting and how the non-Muslim family unit often deals with sadness or idleness or boredom. And it's often things that we try and avoid in Islam and it must be very difficult for those people um, who, are, who are struggling and who maybe haven't learned the prayer yet, the, I mean, the five daily salah. And so I might try and find some things to put on our Instagram later on that they can look at as a way of, as a way of trying to um, find solace. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, recently, uh, I had a girl reach out to me who doesn't even live anywhere near me. So actually, one good thing about this is that, you know, we can have like the Zoom connection, the Skype connection, whatever. Yeah. And that's become the norm, um, sadly. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing like a whole series of prayer um, classes for her, which is a challenge. I've never done that before online. It's always been face to face. But, you know, I just think, well, there has to be some way we can get round um, the social restrictions and still have meaningful relationships, still have meaningful conversations with people. Because if anything, our emotions are more heightened at the moment. You know, there's not that natural release. You know, I mean, for myself, I'm sure from so many people, I know Jody, for you, for example, like going out, just being in nature is just a way of connecting, you know, but even that's kind of limited now. I mean, I wanted to go for a walk with my friends, realized I could actually only go for a walk with one person. And that was really sad. Um, so, you know, that there's, we've got to, I think we've, we, you've got to have kind of creative ways of trying to, to, to find solutions for the sadness. Definitely prayer is one of them, but I think it is a broad road that can be interpreted in different ways for different people. Has anyone got anything? Yeah, Jody, you want to add something? My, my, my first thought is subhanAllah, because five times a day, and I think my perception of prayer has changed since I converted. So it started with, oh my gosh, it's five times a day. I've got to do all these movements, say all these words that I don't understand. And it feels like it was anxiety provoking in the beginning, if I'm honest, because it was just such a, a steep learning curve, shall we say. And I think now it's almost... I think of it as the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so great that he knows that we can go into these slumps and not do anything all day. But at minimum, what we need to be doing is getting up five times a day to go and meet him. You know, he's there waiting for us sort of thing. But also all the different ways that we can connect with him. So if it is, like Almas said, you know, I like walking through parks and looking through trees and looking at colours and going, wow, you know, subhanAllah. And it's all those little things, you know, we, we can be aware of him in so many different ways. It's not, I say just, but not just, you know, your, your five salah a day. There are so many different things that we can be doing, whether it's, you know, opening a door for an older lady going into a shop, you know, that, that's charity. Or buying a cup of tea for a homeless person that's cold on the street because, you know, where, where can they go nowadays? You know, it's, it's awful. Armas. Yeah, I mean, alhamdulillah, I was just thinking when you were talking, Jodie, that um, about sadness and prayer and how it doesn't have to be just prayer. And I think if we look at the element of sadness, first of all, is that usually they say that sadness comes when you haven't 
okay, how do I put this? It's like that feel good factor that you have when you're helping somebody else. So the more you concentrate outside of yourself, the and the less you concentrate within yourself of what's happening, you know, your own worries, you can you can lift yourself, you can extricate yourself from that situation mentally, at least, even if you can't physically, because it's this whole idea about you can't sometimes um, you can't sometimes have an effect. Sorry, you can't sometimes have control over what's happening to you, but you control the way you think about what's happening to you. And definitely one of the things that helps me Okay, yes, we talked about the Salah and it doesn't have to be the five times a day prayer. But one of the things that definitely helps me is just sometimes stopping and saying, look, I can go up and down the stairs without any pain. Because at one point I thought I was going to end up in a wheelchair and now I can do it without any pain. So come on, be grateful for that. Look how much Allah has helped you. And that in itself kind of like lifts me out and go, yeah, okay, I can actually walk up and down the stairs I can walk up and down the stairs before I had to crawl up and down the stairs. So now this is amazing. And I have to stop and think about that sometimes, especially, you know, um, at the beginning when we had the first lockdown and people really getting very anxious and very worried. And there was this whole kind of knock on effect of how people were stocking up stuff in their house. Um, and I, you know, and that was a whole learning curve because it got me realizing that, no, don't be sad about what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And it's amazing how much we do have. It doesn't matter how many weird ingredients in my, in my cupboard, I can still make something to feed my family, which is all good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Jodie. It got me thinking about um, kinds of sadness. So obviously we've got Talba, you know, that, that, um, that fitry pull of something's not right and we feel a sadness because of it. And that's a gift. You know, Allah again loves us so much that he's like, you know, I'm going to give you an inkling that the path you're on isn't the right one. You need to be doing something about it. And that's, subhanAllah, that's that's amazing. You know, he could just watch us go down a really bad path, but he doesn't. He gives us this sense of something's not quite right. The other thing it got me thinking about when you were talking about gratitude, Almas, was um, in the Quran, and I'm not quoting it word for word because I don't know off the top of my head, of being grateful, therefore I give you more. And actually neuroscience proves that now in terms of all the positive psychology and, you know, neural links and things like that. Actually, the more grateful we are, the better our brains are at spotting the things that we could be grateful for. So our blessings, if we're thinking from an Islamic point of view. So actually, the more we're grateful, the more we say Alhamdulillah every day for even the little things. You know, Alhamdulillah, I've got hot water to wash the pots. Alhamdulillah, I've got, you know, windows that keep the rain out. Whatever it is that then helps us to spot more blessings because they're unending, you know, every breath we're taking now. Almas. Yeah, no, I just want to say it reminded me of when we used to, when we used to those days when we used to meet up personally face to face in the mosque for our, our little kind of uh, new Muslim sister group. Um, the, one, of the, one of the girls there, she had a really lovely idea and it was a gratitude jar. And she just, you know, literally, it was just an old jam jar. Um, and you just kind of sit and write out, you know, we, we were kind of sat in the circle and everybody had their own thing that they wanted to put in there. One of, you know, if you could put in as many as you wanted. And it just made me think when you said, you know, um, having hot water to wash the pots. One of the things that um, one of the ladies had written was she was so grateful to have a house that had so much in it that it got messy that she had to tidy it 
So it was like the, the most positive spin I've ever seen on housework. And it, was, and it just made me think, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? The trick is to find that positive spin that you can put on something. And actually, the hot water is a, is a big one for me because I hate cold showers. So every time, and we always have some, always our boiler seems to be some doing something dodgy. Um, and when I get in the shower and it's hot water, I always think, thank you, Allah, for this hot water that you've given me that I don't have to sit there going, oh my gosh, this water's freezing. So yeah, maybe maybe if people are feeling sad, and they're thinking, I can't, I can't even get myself to connect with the prayer. Sometimes it's just focusing on the micro as opposed to the macro and just thinking small things. Just think of small things that you have that you are grateful for. And, you know, this is one of the teachings of Allah because he says in the Quran, if you were to try and count the blessings of Allah, you would not be able to. And sometimes when you're in a very dark and very low place, it can feel like, well, I'm sorry, I've got nothing. I'd have a blank sheet of paper. But I guarantee anybody that's listening to this, take a sheet of paper and just think, start thinking. And you'll find that you cannot come to the end of the blessings that Allah has given you. Yeah, Zara. I was just double checking and the passage that you were referring to Alice, um, I think is Quran 14 7, and it's and when your Lord proclaimed, if you give thanks, and then in brackets it says, by accepting faith and worshiping none but Allah, I will give you more of my blessings. That was the passage, and then just something else that I thought of was that I saw in the book Don't Be Sad the habit of looking on the bright side in every circumstance is more valuable than having a large income and that's just reminds me of everything that you've just said Almas which is that everything can have a flip side even the worst of circumstances or what feels like the worst of circumstances can have a flip side and just because it didn't go or whatever didn't go the way you wanted it to go it went exactly as Allah wanted it to go and so you have to look for the blessings in that somewhere because there will definitely be something good in it, whether it's a blessing, a lesson or an expiation of sins. Definitely, there's always something good in it. Um, does anybody have anything else to add before we go for a quick break? Almas? Yeah, I just wanted to say when you were saying that, it reminded me of a concept that's very strong uh, for Muslims that doesn't matter how bad you feel your life is going or the situation that you're in or how hopeless you feel that you never lose hope in the mercy of Allah and that you never let because I'm sometimes like my family know now that when I'm in a bad mood it's never any of them that's put me put me in a bad mood it's all me I'm always somehow annoyed with myself that's that's kind of what gets me down is my own inadequacies if you like um, so no matter how bad an opinion I have of myself, that we should never have a bad opinion of Allah. In other words, always have that hope and that good opinion of Allah that he will, no matter how long it takes, he will get you out of the situation that you're in. And in ways sometimes that you would never have imagined. And it's happened to me like that in ways that I would never have imagined. Or no matter how long that problem has been going on, it's a chronic issue. And you just think, well, I can't see a way out of this. And I've been in that situation too. And literally a situation I'd been in for what, 20 plus years. 
literally came just came out into the sunshine and suddenly the the solution was right there in front of me about two weeks ago and I couldn't believe it and I just thought why can I not believe it because Allah can do anything and that's the you know when you're at your lowest point remember that Allah can and will help you in any which way and he has the ultimate wisdom to know which is the best way to help you yeah Jody bit of self-disclosure so I had PTSD about four years ago and it was probably the lowest moment of my life and not to go into detail but essentially I, at one moment I genuinely thought I was going to die and I could have turned to sadness and hopelessness and go you know that that's it that's that's it done and honestly the only thing I thought was I hope Allah knows that I love him and that's all I remember because then I was put under general anaesthetic but it was that and I feel emotional just talking about because you feel the mercy of him you feel the compassion of him because it's just it's so it's more than our little human brains can really get their heads around it's it's that epically never-ending um and when you were talking about actually there's always there's always something positive or a lesson or something behind it it's just taking that moment to go actually what what could this be about what could the you know the the what could be the opportunity for gratitude in, in this moment, whatever it is, how awful the situation is. If we think about all the you know, countries that are war-torn and people going some, through some real hardship, but actually, inshallah, there will be reward and mercy in, in all of those experiences. So I think we should go for a break while we all have a group Zoom hug and, <laughs> and just, you know, a bit of maybe a, a teary session after after that because it is quite emotional talking about all of this um but yeah we'll be back soon hey Saikum, you are back with converts in conversation we're talking today about sadness and prayer and all things linked to that and jody is just going to read to us from an amazing book jody so this is from secrets of divine love by a helwa um and if you're into reading absolutely pick it up because it's just full of compassionate loveliness and really gets you deeply thinking about things um so the quran does not just speak to people of a particular time it speaks to the timeless soul of the human being it does not only refer to stories of the past it also speaks to the urgency of the present while calling us to be conscious of the implications of our actions in the future every struggle between good and evil between prophet and imposter between peacemakers and tyrant rulers exemplifies archetypes that exist in our own lives i suppose it gets me thinking about how prayer obviously we recite quran during prayer and pick up your quran and flick to a page and, and often i've done it where i've picked up a page and i've been feeling sad and i've just read what i needed to read it's just found me where i am and gone this is what you need right now and, it, and it's there as a, you know a, a timeless gift for all of humanity for all of time inshallah um so yeah, it's 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 a lovely book. Um, alas. Yeah, I mean, yeah, alhamdulillah. I've got that book as well because Zahra's allowed me to borrow her copy and it is just beautiful. You know, I read a few sentences and I just feel overwhelmed by how much Allah loves us. And actually that's something that I think for me anyway works where <clears throat> if I'm having a bad time, sometimes actually I, I think about time in itself. I think about myself when I was younger, when I had no conscious knowledge of who Allah was, 
and yet Allah was still there looking after me. And that really does fill me with awe and thankfulness that in every situation that I've been in, because people come and go in your life, anybody who's lived, you know, some years in their life knows that nothing is static, nothing stays the same. But yet this, I get an overwhelming feeling of this when I read the Quran, that people will always change. People will come and go in your life, but Allah is always there and he's always the same. So he's always merciful. He's always loving. He's always looking after us. Um, and that, when I, when I contemplate on that and I give myself time to think about that, it does make me feel a little better. It doesn't maybe take me out of the difficult situation that I'm in, but that link, when I, when I firm up that link, when I concentrate on that relationship between me and Allah, which let's face it, is actually the most and the most timeless relationship that we'll ever have. And the most important for that fact, that it's the one that we need to give the most time to. Yet generally human beings, you know, our nature is to always be focusing on the temporal, be focusing on the things that kind of a flash in the pan. But to be able to think beyond that and to focus on our timeless relationship with Allah, because remember every single one of us was a soul that Allah created and we were in the world of souls for, we don't even know how long, which I think is fascinating because sometimes I meet somebody and I just feel like I've met them before. And I know physically I never have. Um, and I think, who knows, maybe they were my best friend in the world of the souls. And that just always sends kind of shivers up and down my spine because to know that we have all these different stages that our soul will go through because there's six stages that our soul will go through. And this is the, the one that we're in now, when we're alive now is the middle. So we had those stages before we've got the stages to come and Allah will always be there. He will always be the one that's created us and loves us so much in ways that we can't even comprehend. And I think when we focus on that, rather than on the issue that we're going through, Yes, like I say, it doesn't take us out of the issue, but perhaps it will mentally lift us to be able to see the solution that Allah is presenting to us when, when things are really dark for us. In any dark situation, you've got no light, you can't see. So by connecting with Allah, it allows that light back into your mental, your emotion, your spiritual world, and it allows you to be able to see more clearly and think, ah, oh, this is the way out of my solution. I hope some of that actually made sense. Yeah, <laughs> Jody. It got me thinking about this idea yeah. of we, we are we're a consciousness that's observing a, a biological body, this worldly body, who experiences emotions and physiological stuff. But essentially, we are a consciousness observing that, and it's that consciousness that can connect with the last Manawatala in an intellectual way. Now, that's why we've all come to to convert because intellectually we understood that this was the right path for us but also in in a way that is you can't quite put your finger on it. it's that spiritual like it's almost like a, a punch in the chest because you feel it um and it just it gets me thinking about when we are in that sadness and, and I tend to sort of get really down in the dumps when I'm sad and ruminate about it and it's really unhelpful but actually if I go okay I, I'm observing myself experiencing this 
experiencing the sadness actually what else is that observing self observing and actually it's observing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists and he's there for us he's always merciful he always loves us um, and it's just that really different um, perception I think that can really help us in, in times of deep sadness Zara do you have something to say um, I was also just thinking when Almas was talking that we're such an on-demand culture at the minute that big picture thinking and sort of long-term thinking isn't something that we do anymore. We used to have, just because of the way society was, we used to have a level of patience that we don't have anymore. And I think now, because even on I prefer a physical book anyway, just because I like the smell of a new book and I like the, the feel of the pages. But I think even with sort of Kindles and on the odd time that I've read a book on my iPad, I find that I go through things quicker. Everything's a rush and it's always what's going to happen next and what's the conclusion. And it's less, we savour less. And I think that sort of stunts our ability to, to plan long distance or to try and see to take our time and develop and accept that not everything is going to be done just like that and I think for me when I go on Instagram or social media or the internet or even on Netflix and stuff you know when you binge watch a series it's all taken away my um, patience and I think to switch your mentality or the way that your brain thinks when you're then looking at Quran and the, Allah's love and the plan for life generally it's very difficult if you're already sort of being preconditioned into wanting everything quickly and wanting an answer quickly and I think that also can lead into putting pressure on yourself when you're feeling sad or anxious or worried because certainly when it comes to social media it looks like well everyone else has got their stuff together everyone else seems to have this perfect happy life um and it feels for me when i'm starting to feel like that or i feel like i'm i'm distant from the crown and from allah i need to come off social media a lot because that definitely is a distraction and just changes the way i view everything alma sorry you were going to say something yeah, no, I was just going to say that when you were talking about, you know, putting pressure on yourself, I think that can come sometimes from the way um, our society views success. Mm. Um, because ultimately, everybody wants to be successful, everybody wants to be happy. But if you don't have any true understanding what that means for yourself, and you only allow the social media or the, the society to dictate that, and that's not always going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I know myself when I was younger and I thought that success was a certain picture. Um, and we spoke about it last time when we were talking about barriers to yeah. converting. Um, and I thought, you know, success was definitely where you had to be out partying the whole time. You know, you had to have like had an hour's sleep or you had to have at least been hung over once in the week. And, you know, and it was all these kind of ideas of quote-unquote success that made me feel sad because I knew that's not what I actually wanted and so I was battling myself to actually you know attain this idea of success but when I actually stopped battling and I thought you know and I discovered Islam and I discovered that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just wanted us to be the best human beings that we could be literally that's why we're here to know him and by knowing him 
to be the best that we can be to each other, to ourselves, to creation at large, that mm. actually made me feel whole again. It made me feel kind of content within myself to a certain level. Not that I felt arrogant that I was, you know, oh, I was just like the best thing since I spread, but I just thought at least I've got a good understanding of my starting point now. And yeah. when you can reference your life back to what every situation means for you and your relationship with Allah, I think that is the path out of sadness. Zahra, did you want to say something? I did, only that what you were saying before made me think of a book that's not an Islamic book and it's definitely a sidestep away from Islamic books because it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Um, but And it's not actually a book about not caring about anything. It's much more of a book about self-preservation and about whose expectations are you living by and why do you care about x y and z and how does that actually change your life or does it change someone else's perception and so does it matter and i would definitely definitely recommend it to anybody there's a lot of swearing in it which i thought was just pointless and, and i skipped past a lot of that stuff but the actual main focus of the book and the lesson from it is really worth a read if you can get past all the bleeps um i would definitely recommend it i'll also share that on instagram um but it was it gave me a little bit of peace of mind um about when you're not because i think i suppose people always have this you know 2.4 kids is a goal and owning a house is a goal and you know, getting a degree as a goal for some, you know, if you're just leaving high school and, and you're thinking about sort of what next. And actually they may be other people's goals. And it takes, I suppose it takes experience and a bit of maturity, which is hard if you're someone who's just leaving school or just leaving college to actually sit back and think, well, hang on, what are my actual goals? And some of them might be really small, but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve a little party dance afterwards because every win's a win and I think people just focus on these big huge things when we all achieve amazing stuff every single day um and every day is a blessing really is what you were talking about made me think about <laughs> yeah it reminds me actually my I was talking to my sister and she said that um somebody had sent her I think it was either a video or something and it was the, a picture of um, a lady in her house, you know, she's married, she's, you know, maybe got kids or something. And every day her husband comes home and says, what have you actually done today? And then uh, the day she sits and does absolutely nothing and you see like the kids are like literally swinging off the chandeliers and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And then it says, this is what would happen if she did nothing all day. And I thought, you know, that's amazing because it just, we do underplay I think seriously, women seriously do underplay the amount that they get done in their day. Um, and it's interesting because we, we have like a, a WhatsApp group for um, like a, a new Muslim WhatsApp group that we have. And on there, um, I just thought, oh, let's just everybody introduce themselves. So I was trying to put an introduction on for myself. And as I'm writing, I'm thinking, oh, I do this. Oh, I do that too. Whereas normally if somebody asks me front out, what do you do? I go, nothing. Uh, I cook sometimes, you know, <laughs> that's all about I could think of. And I think valuing, like you said, Zahra, see the small things that you do um, and appreciate them. And it comes, you know, I, I mean, I'm 
I really hear this kind of thread that's going through everything that we're talking about. It's our connection with Allah, our relationship with him, the strength of that, the time that we spend developing that relationship, um, how hard we are on ourselves. We need to stop being so hard on ourselves. You know, this is not by any means, any stretch of the imagination, a normal situation for anybody that we're in at the moment worldwide. It's just not a normal situation. Um, and actually focusing on gratitude and focusing on appreciation. And for me, if I was going to kind of sum up my tips, that would be like my five top tips really would be how to connect your, how to use your prayer to give it, to give yourself the solutions to some of your sadnesses, not all of them maybe, because obviously some people have such challenges in their life that they need some practical um, steps towards you know, figuring out the solutions. But definitely from an emotional and spiritual point of view, I think it's that connection that we have with Allah and the strength of that. And then thinking about how you can develop that. I know, you know, like we talked about the gratitude jars. I know we've talked, we've spoken, talking, that's not even a word. We've spoken um, about, you know, kind of gratitude journals as well. Uh, and there's there was amazing uh amazing kind of little phrase that I heard, a little story that I heard that one scholar would say, it was to his nephew. His nephew was very, very young. I think he was only about three or four or something. And they must have lived very close because he used to see him every day. And every day he used to say to him, I just want you to remember three things. I want you to remember that Allah sees you. I want you to remember that Allah hears you. And I want you to remember that Allah is with you. Um, and he wanted him just to say that every day to himself before he went to sleep. And he asked him to do that for something like two or three years, something like that. So this little boy was about six or seven when he said to him, do you remember what I asked you to do? And he said, yeah, yeah, I've done it every night. This is what I've, you know, this, I've, um, Allah hears me, Allah sees me and Allah is with me. And he said, okay, so then if you know that and if you fully know that in your heart, he said, how can you then disobey him? So for me, actually, you could even put, how can you then feel hopeless? How can you then allow yourself to disconnect from him? How can you then, 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 you know, Allah hears you, he sees you, and he's always with you. So it doesn't matter even when you don't understand yourself, Allah understands you. It doesn't matter even when you can't find the words to ask Allah for help, even if it's just kind of, ah, and that's all you can think of saying. Allah understands that. So when you feel that you're not alone and Allah is with you, I mean, if Allah is with you, actually, who else do you need, really? But when you know that Allah is with you, then that should at least give you some comfort. So those are my tips. I don't know if anybody else wants to share those. Yeah, Zahra. I think for me, just part, just as an add-on from what you said, really, probably encompassed everything, but it's just being grateful and not putting pressure on yourself so for someone who maybe hasn't learned the prayer um if maybe you're a very new muslim or haven't yet converted and you know locked down or being isolated at home is something that slowed that process down just be aware of the times 
maybe, um, and maybe just take a few minutes out at the prescribed times to just sit down um, and just pray um, or even just read. You don't have to have perfected the prayer yet, but maybe just that God consciousness that these are the times that I'm supposed to be praying. And you can learn later on, you know, and inshallah, when we come out of lockdown, there'll be classes available again and there will be stuff online. But I think throughout the rest of the day especially if you feel that there's a dip in your day prayer isn't always about asking for something it's about thanking and the fact that we feel in itself whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling the fact that we have the ability to feel in itself is a blessing Alma sorry sorry I just wanted to say I'm butting in but um when you said prayer isn't all about I can't actually remember what you said, but it made me think that the word salah actually means connection. It actually yeah. comes from a word that means connection. So like you said, it doesn't mean just asking for stuff. Yeah. Um, it means thanking. Actually, in its root meaning, it means us connecting with Allah. So that's where, why we've talked about you can go out in nature. You know, I'm not saying that the five prayers a day are not compulsory. They are compulsory because Allah knows best how we best connect with him but there are other avenues also that we can find we can explore to connect with Allah Jodie what yeah. did you want to say I suppose I'm echoing what both of you are saying um and I suppose coming from like a therapy kind of background I'm thinking about routine so we know that routine human beings need routine in their lives to stay healthy physically mentally etc and actually, if you think about it, every single day of our lives, we're prescribed five times of the day to take a moment out, whether it's to just mindfully sit if you don't know your prayers yet, whether it's to read a book because you don't know yet, whether you're too unwell to pray because that does come up, whether it's a time for women where they're not praying. You've still got those times where you can take time. In fact, it reminds me of... Um, a scholar from over in America called Tamara Gray, she talked about, you know, that week of the month that we can't pray in terms of our formal salah. Um, and she was talking about, actually, that, that, that's an opportunity. That's a time where you can go and sit and make du'a. You can sit and do dikha. It doesn't have to be a formal salah if that's not the time that you're praying that. You know, that there's still times where actually it's really healthy for us psychologically to, to take those times out and just, just be. Because especially in modern life, social media and scrolling, and we know all the impact that has on the brain, and it very much um, sort of fosters sort of nafs. Nafs love it because the, the sort of instant gratification and so social media and all the rest of it. So it's about balancing that actually with five times a day, take even five minutes just to calm and sit and be. And I'm just going to lastly reference what I said in our little break to, to the girls was uh, my little one, he's four. And whenever he hears my phone go off for the prayer time, he's like, mummy, Allah wants you to pray now. And it's almost like that is a more powerful thing to me than my phone going beep because my little one is so God conscious, mashallah, at four years old that he's like, come on, it's time. Come on, let's, let's get going. Um, and I think it's just, that's that natural fitry thing. You know, no one's sat there cognitively and gone, this is what God is because he's four. He won't, he won't understand that, but he feels it. And that's really, really powerful to me. So I don't know if anyone's got any sort of last thoughts before we, we wrap up. 
No, okay. Well, that's probably everything from us then for this week. Jazakallah for listening. Hope everybody has a good week and we will be back with you next Sunday for Converts in Conversation. Thank you and salam. Assalamu alaikum, everybody.